Welcome to the podcast series of India Risco Initiative by Global Risk Management Institute and Federation of Indian Chambers of Commerce and Industry. Given lack of industry-wide policies and implementation standards around risk management, FICI and GRMI realized there is a significant opportunity to drive top leadership in the space. The vision is to create a model risk code for the Indian industry and to develop effective enablers for practical implementation along with enhancing awareness among corporate leaders on role of risk management in driving sustainable growth. To start with the first episode of the series, we have with us Mr. Noshir Mirza, former senior partner at EY LLP India and Mr. Subhashish Nath, founder and mentor of GRMI. SVP and Enterprise Risk and Compliance Service Line Leader at Genpact to discuss about views and perspectives around need for improved risk management and practical tips on risk management making it real. So, uh, good afternoon, Osher, and thank you so much for making time for this uh, risk management making it real series. Uh, as we get to speak to a host of uh, leaders, luminaries in your own right, I just want to start off with a very simple question. Do you believe boards that you see and executive leaderships that you interact with, do they really have enough focus or appreciation for need for risk management? You know, like everything in life, uh, I would say, Subhashish, that it depends. If I categorize the kind of risks organizations are confronted with three major groups and tell you how I think uh, boards and managements and so forth are addressing each of those groups. The first group I would say is uh, uh, operational risks. The kind of risks companies have to deal with with every decision they make or every decision they fail to make. Now, those risks have been there since uh, time immemorial. Businesses have over hundreds of years developed appropriate responses to manage those risks. And I think boards, audit committees, internal auditors, external auditors, all of them are focused on those. And I think those risks are sufficiently addressed uh, to, to your question. The second main uh, broad category of risks are the ones created by the board itself and perhaps the senior most levels of management. And here I refer to uh, strategic decisions. They could be operational strategies or they could be play a basic business strategy. By operational strategy, I mean uh, managements may decide should they make or buy? Should they distribute online? do away with brick and mortar, you know, all those, those are operational level strategies generally made by managements. And of course, board are the major strategies. Shall I get into setting up a chain of uh, barber shops or should I set up a steel plant? I, I have a, a, a bag full of money. What should I do with it? Now, these are the risks or the, the, these are the decisions which have enormous risk potential and which often are not appropriately addressed. They might be addressed at the time the decision is actually made, and many times even not then. 
And certainly after the decision is made, how closely such risks are monitored is sometimes, or is often a question for doubt because having made the decision, the monitoring is required to be done by the people who themselves made the decision. And it's a normal human failing to not be prepared to admit of your own failures, to procrastinate recognizing your failures, to keep kicking the can down the road in the hope that things will turn around and the decision I made will be turn out to be a good decision. So that's the second category of risks. And the third category of risks are risks which, uh, which are overarching and which affect uh, which affect uh, most, if not all, uh, all of humankind. I was about to say corporations, all of humankind. And perhaps the one right in front of us, uh, and which is going to be in front of us for many, many decades, if not centuries, is that of climate change. And I would say that boards have completely failed. I can't think of even one exception to what I'm saying. And often Unilever is quoted as, as the example of, of, of the way a company should address climate change. Even that company, I don't think, has adequately addressed the risk from climate change. And it is such a severe risk. It's not a risk that affects the existence of the corporation. It's, the, it's a risk that affects the eventual existence of humankind. And boards have failed to address this risk. Totally. Thank you so much, Nasher. Uh... I want to actually talk to you a little bit about pre and post COVID, but first sort of building on what you just spoke about, you already believe boards have failed in some of this. Uh, there is an intent that at least the top thousand companies in the country have risk committees. Ideally, one would like it to be beyond those thousand because this is not about what Sebi tells you, this is about good business. So do you truly believe there's enough risk talent in the market to even form these thousand plus risk committees to really be able to drive what's right for the business. Subhashish, if we accept that risk is inherent in everything, yeah. saying uh, there should be risk talent by which I assume you mean, uh, as it were, a, a, a corpse of uh, of, of professional risk managers, is there a sufficient CORPS, not CORPSC? Yeah, so core of professional risk managers available in the marketplace. Uh, the obvious answer to that is, uh, as risk managers, there certainly isn't, I wouldn't say so. But going back to what I said a little earlier, if risk is inherent in everything you do, Everybody has to be a risk manager in the sphere where he operates. And the higher you go in the organization, the wider your risk management responsibilities so that finally when you're on the board, you're responsible in a matter of speaking for every kind of risk that a corporation is, uh, is, is likely to face. And therefore, uh, to say, are there enough risk managers to do this? I would say it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's not a question that needs answering because every employee in the organization at his or her level needs to be a manager of risks, including the person who sweeps the, uh, the factory floor to make sure nobody slips and falls and uh, hurts themselves. 
So everyone's got a, got a role in risk. But yes, if you say that because today risk is not a, a, a subject that needs to be addressed purely as a decision-making activity, but we need also a professional approach more to, uh, if I can go back to uh, the late uh, uh, the late Donald Rumsfeld, you know, how do we uh, uncover the unknown unknown risks? See, it's easy to deal with the known risks. It's it's harder to deal with the risks which are known, but you're not sure about what to do about them. But your real danger lies in risks you don't even know exist. And how do you have a process by which those are raised to the surface regularly and addressed? And there, yes, you need a professional core of people who know how to, uh, to do these things. And also to how to evolve uh, uh, the, 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 the process to manage uh, complicated risks. So there you do need, and we don't have enough of those. So let me sort of ask you a slightly difficult question, which is, you know, as you rightly said, ideally risk management is part of every leader's job. Uh, no one should be required to be told that. And that in some ways has actually been the headset of many leaders saying, I run a business, I'm already doing risk management. So what's this huge sort of noise saying, first there's a need for more structured risk management. So how do you infuse better appreciation for the value that a 360 degree risk lens brings to every decision making versus it being a bit more intuitive saying, you know, you intuitively have largely taken most of the decisions, right? Yeah. Now, how do you do that? I think again, depends from organization to organization. But in my life, I have discovered the only way you can sell something to somebody is to convince that person what is in it for that person. So if I can, and if I can explain to the, uh, the, the controlling shareholder in many cases, who may say that, you know, let's not have all this, it's only going to make things bureaucratic and add costs, and we will have a whole risk management team, and people are going to spend hours and hours sitting in meetings and nothing is going to come out of all that. Ultimately, we'll do what we are doing. It's just a whole lot of bureaucracy you're suggesting. And of course, uh, the, the, the senior management of the company, including the chief executive, if you are able to explain and open their eyes using examples, every day there are examples of companies that have failed. And if you go a little deeply, not too deeply, you will discover many of them have failed because of their inability to anticipate a risk and then uh, or, or to deal with a risk once it ha has hit them. So if you're able to use such examples and draw parallels with your own organization, any rational uh, person would accept that, yes, here is something which is worth our while to have, even if it has some amount of clogging bureaucratic impact, or, or if it means that some of the things we used to do cannot be done in that way, we appear to become less, less dynamic, if I can use that term, or, or less aggressive, 
Indeed, if we look at the, the, the large number of companies undergoing the insolvency and bankruptcy process, many of them have landed there. Almost all of them have landed there because of overtly aggressive conduct, heavily leveraged growth, which they couldn't manage, they couldn't service their loans, whether it's, it's, it's an airline or it's a cement manufacturer or whatever. Most of them out there are because there was a phase when Indian industry went and borrowed beyond the hilt and failed. And, and, and if you just put those examples in front and say, therefore, we need to have processes to make sure we are not in the IBC uh, uh, courts. So, so Asha, risk management often has been blamed for in some ways taking away agility uh, from decision making. Uh, it's almost seen as a you know these are the guys who will go say no to things. Uh, whereas actually, you know, we risk professionals would believe that we enable faster, better informed, bolder decision making. Right? That's what we'd love to believe. Uh, in your view, what have you seen as key challenges that have prevented risk management being much more of an org DNA? And, and where have you seen it work? Where have you not seen it work? What's your sort of view on that? I think I partly dealt with this, but I should have to, I'll have to deal with it in more detail now. You know, when I said that, if I go to my opening observation of three categories or three buckets of risks, yeah. At the operational level, I've said they're adequately dealt with. And I think we don't need to uh, yeah. watch the risks that flow from both top management decisions. I also made a reference, and I'll go a little deeper into it, is people are unprepared to look at, uh, to accept that they have made a mistake. It's a normal human failing. If I look at why those feelings happen and why they are not acted upon, they're all the kind of things that, uh, that, uh, that, <coughs> uh, that any group of people uh, acting together could be faulted for. Take uh, things like groupthink. Uh, you know, there are two, there's a major decision to be made. There are two th or three strong voices in the boardroom who appear to have understood what is being proposed and are in favor of it or are against it. Either way, a large number of the others then tend to sit back and say, well, they've done all the thinking for us. We endorse what they are saying and we say we agree. So group think, uh, our inability to be disagreeable as human beings, we don't like to be disagreeable. So when uh, uh, the, the CEO with tremendous passion suggests that this is what we should get into. It's a normal human weakness to say, if I disagree with him, here is a board room full of people, several of his senior managers are sitting in the room. He will lose face. And so should I disagree? I think 10 times before disagreeing. Our own, uh, it, it depends on uh, the, the social circumstance, but many companies have a very feudal uh, conduct in the boardroom. So when the Babuji or the, the Lalaji has suggested something, most of the outside directors say, well, most of the money is his anyway. So why should we bother our heads if he wants to do this thing? Doesn't sound very sensible. 
But after having made a couple of observations, I've done my job. Now I sit quiet. Now let him do it if he wants to. It's none of my, no skin of my nose. So, you know, there are many of these human failings which have resulted in companies doing things they wouldn't have done had they thoroughly aired an issue, had they had a proper discussion about it. And perhaps uh, the strongest reason why people don't do uh, that is the influence of capitalism. And, and, and I might sound like a guy who grew up in Calcutta, which I did, but I have seen in boardrooms that so powerful has been the influence of capitalism over business think that people are driven, are passionate, are, are, are focused on, you use the word agility a little while ago, as if that is a virtue. Uh, you know, there are many such shibboleths and, and terms that have been invented over the years by so-called uh, business gurus, many of them academicians, and, and slavishly, uh, MBAs, business managers have tended to ape them. And all of these terms flow from essentially the capitalist mindset, how do I make the provider of capital even richer? And therefore, you need to be agile, which you need to be if you're participating in the Olympics. I'm not sure agility is necessarily a virtue in a business manager and having got to the age I have, it's not even a virtue in, in, at, at my age of being agile because more than likely I'll slip and fall. But to be more serious in addressing what I, uh, what I want to say is, if agility means you take reckless decisions just because you have to demonstrate dynamism and speed and I should be first in the market, I should grab the opportunities while they are there, many times companies have failed because of that. And if we have something against failure, then we shouldn't get into all of this. But if, if we say, as in, say in, in new societies like the, uh, like the United States, where failure is not a negative, then by all means be agile, but then don't criticize a failure of business. But there are many societies like in India, where once you fail, like in China, where once you fail, you are a failure marked for life. And, and you are not... Uh, not welcome in the world of entrepreneurship thereafter. Absolutely, absolutely love that, Nasir, because, you know, as you know, fail fast is something which certain parts of the world have actually uh, benefited from, which has allowed people to be far more uh, sort of entrepreneurial in that sense. Yes. A little unfortunate, but COVID's possibly had more people talk about risk management than before. Uh, not sure any one of us wanted COVID to heighten the, the relevance or awareness of risk, but seems like the world's talking more about it post-COVID. Mm -hmm. uh, a little bit of why do you think that's happening? And are you seeing any sectoral flavors to it? Are there some industry sectors that you're seeing uh, talk about this a bit more post-COVID versus pre? Uh, so what's your uh, take on that? Yeah, uh, Shubhajish, the last part of your question, I won't be able to answer because yeah. now, you know, my exposure to different sectors is minimal. So whatever I say would be uh, wrong. That's fair. But if I go to the first one, see, I don't know whether it's COVID that's made uh, companies look at risk management more seriously 
or the SEBI uh, mandate that the 1,000 largest companies need to have a risk committee, which more or less coincided. So I don't know which of the two has, has motivated companies to focus more on the managing of risks. But if from my own experience, what I've seen is where companies have uh, looked, at, uh, uh, looked at risk, it is not COVID, I think, that has driven them because the, in the COVID context, they looked at the risks emanating only from the pandemic, issues of cash flows and, and uh, you know, uh, whether what should we do tomorrow, what happens if uh, the government chain maybe operation on, yeah. So the risks immediately flowing from COVID have been addressed. And for that, even if we had no mandate, every company would have looked at it because this was such a major uh, event. That, that it compelled companies to look at this. But I think that it's really the, the, the SEBI requirement that the 1,000 largest companies, because then they've had risk committees and they've gone beyond COVID to look at, look at uh, many other risks, which earlier perhaps they were not looking at. And, and, and while the, this is not your question, I can't resist the urge of adding to what I've just said, uh, Shubhashish, is that the real role, I think, of risk professionals and risk committees, which means mainly outside directors, is to identify the risks that are not on the risk register. Companies spend a lot of time and effort looking at risks already on the risk register and wasting the time of management, asking them to present. So how are you proposing to deal with these risks? Now, you might come out with an idea which management has not already thought of. So it's a complete waste of time. You sit in meetings, management makes long presentations. Most of the people doze through them. There are a few desultory questions and that's the end of the risk committee's meeting. And I'll give you two or three examples. You know, I used to be on the board of a company which uh, used to generate uh, electricity using hydroelectric power. So they had a number of dams, uh, and they had the, 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 the hydroelectric power stations, which inevitably would be at the bottom of the hill because the water would have to be at the top of the hill, and then it would rush down a thousand feet and uh, the turbines. Uh, so uh, I noticed and, and I asked that, look, we've, we built these dams a hundred years ago. In the last 100 years, long after we built the dams, a lot of human habitation has sprung up there, should our dams fail, many, many people will be washed away. Now, this is a risk that had not struck the risk manager, manage, the company management, forget the risk managers, hadn't struck the company management. I said all our, our power stations are at the immediate uh, foot of very steep hills, because they have to be steep to make sure the water comes down very fast. What is the risk from landslide to these power stations? And when this was brought up, and this is a risk nobody had thought of, and they took steps to deal with those risks. I'm not going to get into what the steps were, because that's not the purpose. But I just illustrated my example by saying, what is the role of outside people, people like me, who are not part of the management? So we look at everything with fresh eyes, with the... With, uh, yeah. And, and therefore, we spot things which I don't blame the management. They're sitting there every day. It never strikes them that this hill could slide down and, and, and knock my power station over. 
Interesting. Thank you so much, Nasha. Just as we wind up, the last question for, for you would be, you know, you obviously have been sort of really kind to agree to be part of the risk task force, trying to build the, the risk code, uh, or rather guide us in sort of building this out. Uh, what really do you think will be the most valuable sort of input that this kind of a risk code should provide to managements uh, who possibly aren't thinking about those risks that you speak about, which is not on the risk register, uh, thinking about a bit of the unknown, as you call it. So in your view, what would be the biggest contribution that a risk code could bring to uh, leadership of large Indian corporations? Not just large, Indian corporations at large. Areas. Yeah, fair, very good question. Uh, uh, see, I'm not an expert on the subject, Shubhashish, but because I have chaired risk committees, and so I shouldn't say I'm not an expert. How did I become the chair? Just because no one else was willing to take up the role. Uh, I have looked at the internet. There is such a lot of stuff on risk. My God, it's, it's very difficult. Most of it is extremely complicated and hard to get your heads around. And except that you do, you do spend a lot of brain power on it, you discover it is saying, making, uh, suggesting things that are pretty obvious, which are common sense. And I think the greatest thing our risk code can do is put down in plain everyday language uh, how companies should approach the subject of risk management, particularly, as I said, not the regular risks about uh, that, that, that uh, the operational level, because they're all about this. I would say, suggest how do they address the risks uh, that I said in my second and third buckets, which is top management and board created risks. And obviously the major overarching risks like climate change or geopolitical uh, changes. Does the fall of Afghanistan again to the Taliban have any geopolitical impact that could affect the business of the company? Uh, indirectly, not directly. Because yep. a company who has no business with Afghanistan directly, but there could be indirect effects of this whole thing. So addressing those kind of uh, changes timely, not long after they've hit you, and then you sit around like COVID and say, how do we do, deal with this infection? Thank you so much, Nasher. Once again, really appreciate you making time. Thank and you. Uh, I'm sure that's going to be a huge help to everyone who makes time to listen through the session. Don't forget to join us for the next episode of the series with Professor Rajan Saxena, former Vice Chancellor of SBKM's NMIMS. You have reached the end of this episode of India Risk Code Initiative by JRMI and Vicky podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. Visit indiariskcode.grm.institute for more details. Thank you for tuning in. See you at the next one.